Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Daniel, chapter 6. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. I was drawing blood and working for this hospital, and I walk in this lady's room. She's sitting up in her bed. And she's putting on makeup, and she's got the mirror and all this makeup around and stuff. And I'm saying, hey, how you doing? I'm here to, from the lab. I'm here to draw your blood. And uh, she's getting her lipstick on, and she looks up at me, and she says, uh, she says, well, I, I might as well tell you because I can't tell my husband. She says, the doctor just told me I had cancer, and I'm going to die. I don't know. I mean, I was having a day. I, I literally was like, okay, um, I'll be right back. And I walked out of the room, I just was bawling. I mean, it was like one of those days, I was just bawling. And, 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 and I walked back in, and, and I had an opportunity to just sit there and share the Lord with this woman and, and talk to her about the hope of heaven. You see, that's ministry. That's ministry. I got to share the Lord so many times in so many places with so many people all around the world. 1990, I get off the plane. I'm in Saudi Arabia. Got off the plane. I told you this story. Got in the airplane hangar there, dropped my sea bag, dropped my cot, all my stuff, stood up on a big trash can, held my Bible up and said, hey, I'm going out for a Bible study. Anybody want to come? And 40, 50 guys were like, yeah, we'll come to Bible study. Guys had Bibles that I didn't even know they knew what a Bible was. You know how the Marines are. And uh, they came out, and it was ministry. It was ministry. Every day he had a Bible study in Saudi Arabia. Every day, just sharing the Lord, ministry. So often we think that when you get in church, this is where ministry is. I honestly do less ministry in terms of really sharing the gospel. Now I do it with a lot more people, and I appreciate that, and I love what I do. You know that. But, but it was different. That's all I'm trying to say. It was different. And don't be so quick to loathe where you are and be thinking, oh, I'm working around all these heathens, all these evil people. Hey, that's your ministry. That's your mission field. Oh, I'm trying to go to witness to the pygmies in Africa. Well, what about the people in the cubicle right next to you at IBM? Y'all say amen, would you? That's true. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. What about them? And you know, we're just so quick to get somewhere God hadn't called us. You see, if God hadn't called you to work in the church, you'll hate it. Now, I personally am a very nice boss, but you will. (laughs) Right, staff? (laughs) The staff is like, yes, pastor. Yes, Pastor. Don't be so quick. You know, Daniel had a good work ethic. 
and he had an extraordinary attitude. That's what it means. He had an extraordinary attitude toward work and ministry and people and life and all of these things. And this is what made him distinguished among all the other men. How about your attitude when you get to work? How is your attitude? Do people even know you're a Christian? When you get into work, do you come in all grumpy? You know, all grumpy. How you doing this morning? Fine. Are you okay? Yes, don't I look it? No, you don't. I'm going to read my Bible. It's like, whoa, man, if God got you acting like that, I don't want nothing to do with it. (laughs) Isn't that the truth? And, And shouldn't Christians be joyous people? Shouldn't Christians have an extraordinary attitude? Christians should have an extraordinary attitude. It shouldn't be said of Christians they frowning all the time and looking all sad. And why? You serve a great and awesome God. Don't you know? Didn't somebody tell you? God is awesome. Why would you be sad? No matter what you're going through, God is still God. No matter what happens, God is still God. I don't have enough. Well, he'd never seen the righteous forsaken nor a seed begging bread. At work, they're persecuting me. You know, just just extraordinary attitude. So this is what distinguished Daniel uh, among all the other men. And so because of his extraordinary attitude and because he was distinguished, God used him and God will use you too. You know, it reminds me of the verse in Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, and it says this, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. You see, right now, God is looking for men and women in whom he can show himself strong through. God's looking for empty vessels that he can fill and that he can flow through. And God is searching and going up and down the aisles even right now, looking for someone whose heart is perfect toward him. Does that mean that they're, they're, they're flawless, that their sins are, that they're flawless or that they have no shortcomings? No. What that actually means is that you have made up in your mind that you're going to serve God. That's what it means to have a perfect heart toward God. It doesn't mean that you're sinless, but it just means that God, no matter what, I will serve you. That's what God is looking for. And when he finds that person, that man, or that woman, then he'll use you mightily because you've got an extraordinary attitude toward him and about his work. And so Darius, he saw an excellent spirit in Daniel, but the others noticed this. They saw jealousy. Look at verse four. If you're with me, say amen. So the governors and the satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could not find Uh, They could, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. These men said, we shall not find any charge against Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. And so these governors and these satraps, they thronged before the king and they and they said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. Now, Now, King Darius ought to know. It's coming now because when people start flattering you like right up front, beware. You know, oh, King Darius, live forever. 
All the governors of the kingdom, in verse 7, they said, the administrators and the satraps, the counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, established a decree and signed the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the writing or signed the written decree. Now, now, now we got to stop, stop right there. Notice, for the reasons of pure pride and jealousy, these guys seek to discredit Daniel. They're ambitious politicians scheming in a smoke-filled room of politics, looking for ways to defame and discredit Daniel. You see, these guys don't see their political office as service. It's more like a trophy. It's about power and the prize to serve their selfish agenda and self-promotion. So jealousy is running wild in the workplace. You see that? And they tried to find fault, but they could not because Daniel was faithful and Daniel was blameless and Daniel was a man of integrity and he was different from them. And man, could we talk about politics today? Now, you know, the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. And exactly what they're doing with Daniel is what is happening in the political realm today. They're just seeking to discredit him. I'm amazed at all the TV ads and everybody's slinging mud at each other. Just slinging mud at each other. You know, when you sling mud at someone else, your hands get dirty too. You try to lift yourself up and put somebody else down. That's what they're doing. And so we see that here. Now, don't misunderstand. If you're a Christian and you're living a Christian life and, you know, you're going to be different. Daniel, he's different. You're going to be different. You're going to be, you know, you're going to be weird in the workplace. I mean, no question. You know, when I was working in the work world, I was different than most of the other guys. I I didn't go to the parties and all of the things that they invite us to. And we travel all around the world. And I didn't go to those places that they sought so diligently to go to. I I was different. Daniel was different. He, he He wasn't like them. And that's what caused him to be distinguished, you know, among all the other guys. You know, Daniel was the kind of guy that he was a man of integrity in the workplace. You know, he was the kind of guy that didn't take the extra 10 minutes for lunch. You wouldn't find Daniel shaking the vending machine trying to shake loose the Snickers. <laughs> oh, y'all done it. Don't act holy in church. <laughs> You know, I remember when I, some years ago, I don't know, I'll tell the truth because I'm in church. But um, you, I used to go like phone booth to phone booth and check the little slots for the coins. <laughs> Confession. <laughs> you know, if I found the coins, man, I'd be like, oh, yeah, got me some change. You know, and I'd go all uh, Philly. i go from one end of Philly to the next, you know. <laughs> got a ton of change. <laughs> you know, Daniel wouldn't do that. <laughs> you know, he he he. he get change and try to return it. He's a man of integrity, you know. Daniel wasn't the kind of guy that somebody drops 10 bucks and, he, you know, he'd pick it up and put it in the pocket. Say, ooh, the Lord's blessing me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, ooh, man, I found $20. Oh, you saw the guy that dropped it now. I know you did. But, you know, you go, ooh, well, the Lord provides, you know. Well, see, Daniel wouldn't do that. You know, Daniel, I don't think Daniel would even drive and break the speed limit. 
I really don't. He would drive 55. He's a man of integrity. He'd drive 55. I don't think they, do they call it California rolling stops here in North Carolina when you, you don't really stop at the stop sign? I mean, you sort of do, but you don't. They call that California rolling stops here in North Carolina. What do they call it? What do they call it? You just ran the stop sign. That's what they call it, right? Okay. I don't think, you know, he wouldn't do that. He was just a man of integrity because, remember, they were watching him. They were watching him to find something to blame him for, and they could find nothing. That's what they said. We have found no fault in him. Hey, don't that sound familiar? Jesus, remember? Pilate said, I find no fault in him. So they could find no fault in Daniel. He was a man of integrity. He was different. And the only hope of getting rid of Daniel is to use his faith against him in verse 5. And so they resort to flattery. Oh, king, live forever. You know, they say, we've been thinking you're the new king now, and there's no king like you. Only you should be worshipped and get the attention. So we think you should make a decree that no one can pray to their God for 30 days. And the king is thinking, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. That sounds like a plan. And they say, king, go ahead and put your John Hancock on the decree and it will be law and it can't be changed no matter what. Now, remember, under King Nebuchadnezzar, you remember the kind of government they had? It was called a what? An absolute monarchy, which meant that no one could challenge the king. Whatever the king says goes without question. But the Medo-Persians under Cyrus and Darius, it wasn't an absolute monarchy. It was a constitutional monarchy, which means they had to obey the written law. So once the king signed his name, it couldn't be changed, even if the king and even the king himself was bound by that law. He couldn't say, oh, you know, I didn't really mean that. He couldn't do that. So he signs the decree. And notice what happens in verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the written, that the writing was signed in verse 10, notice what he did. He went home. And in his upper room, with his window open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day. And he prayed and he gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. Very, very, very important. And I think what I'll do is deal with this verse and then we'll, we'll close and we'll come back and deal with the the rest uh, next time, next week. What Daniel's doing here is very simply heroic. It's heroic. And this is what heroes do. Heroism isn't the absence of fear, but it's pressing on to do what's right in the face of fear. And Daniel knew the law. We just read that. He knew what the consequences of his actions would be. He knew that the writing was signed. And notice he went home to the place he always went to pray. He opened the windows and he prayed as it was his custom, which indicates to us that he did this praying three times a day for 70 years, for as long as he's been in Babylonian captivity. Three times a day. Three times a day? Man, that's convicting. I don't know if I, I mean, if you pray three times a year, it's like, whoa, that's a lot. You know, three times a day? And it, this is a good practice to get into, as a matter of fact, I think, because, you know, the truth is, you get up in the morning and, you know, 
singing the song, birds are singing, get your coffee, you know, pray, have your morning devotion, get in the car, you're on your way to work. While you're on your way to work, you have somebody cut you off on the freeway. Now you have a brief moment of road rage. Okay, you get to work, and now you've got to work with them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You've got to work with them. You know, praying three times a day ain't bad, because, look, by the time you get to work, you're already in the flesh. You might, <laughs> you might as well pray. And then by the time you go through the day, and then you come home, and you deal with all the interesting employees, and, you know, you come home that night, look, you feel like you need to get saved again. If, if that... That's not possible, but you understand what I'm saying. And, and so, I mean, it's been a day. And so Daniel, he prayed three times a day. Ah, it reminds me of that verse in Psalm 55, verse 16. As for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon I will pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. David, like Daniel, prayed three times every day. Now, this doesn't mean that he didn't pray at other times. It just means that three times a day for prayer was set aside religiously in the life of David and Daniel, we know. Now, keep in mind, outwardly, Understand, listen, outwardly, Daniel had nothing to be thankful for. You ever thought of that? He had nothing to be thankful for. Remember, Jerusalem, and he prayed, by the way, facing Jerusalem. Okay? Remember, at this time, Jerusalem is rubble. Jerusalem's destroyed. It's rubble, so he's facing praying toward the rubble, and it's been that way for 70 years now. He's praying toward a pile of rubble. He continued to pray while in Babylon, and he had one bad experience after another. I mean, think about it. He was 17 years old. They took him from his home, from everything that he knew that was familiar, anything that he knew that represented home and life and Jewish life and community and family and mom and dad and cousins and Uncle Harry and all of these people that he knew. They took him away from that. That's how his life started in Babylon. And then he got to Babylon, according to the scriptures, and many good scholars believe that he was castrated when he got there. What do you have to give thanks for? And then, oh, you know, I thank you, God, that I don't have a wife or children. I I I thank you that I'm 85, 90 years old right now with arthritis and colon issues. Oh, yeah, and I thank you, God, that I've got uh, political Persian schemers in my life trying to make me look bad. What's there to be thankful for? And yet he's doing this, praying three times a day for 70 years. Why? Because 2 Chronicles chapter 6, verse 36 through 39, it reads this. And when they sin against you, for there is no one who does not sin, and you become angry with them and deliver them to the enemy, and they take them captive to a land far and near, yet when they come to themselves in the land where they were carried captive and repent and make supplication to you in the land of their captivity, saying, we have sinned, we have done wrong, and have committed wickedness, and when they return to you, With all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their captivity where they have been carried captive and pray toward their land. 
which you gave to their fathers, the city which you have chosen, and toward the temple which I have built for your name, then hear from heaven, God, your dwelling place, their prayer and their supplications, and maintain their cause and forgive your people who have sinned against you. You see, why did Daniel pray? Why did he keep kneeling toward Jerusalem? Because Daniel knew the word, and he knew the reason they were in Babylon in the first place was because of their disobedience. He knew that. And so Daniel did what Solomon said in Second Chronicles 6, in hopes of the nation being restored. And it's important. It's important to note that Daniel, did you notice that in verse 10? Daniel didn't say, okay, king, you signed a law that we can't pray, so I'm not going, so I'm going to go get down on my knees and and, and where everybody can see me, and, and, and you're going to see my radical spirituality. That's not how it happened. I've heard this text taught that way because we Christians, whenever there's something going on in the culture, politically, we don't agree with it. We like to become radical. We like to pick it. We like to get political. We're going to stand against this abortion clinics. We're going to stand against them. We're going to lay on the steps. We're going to do all of these things. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not for a corrupt culture and a sinful culture, but don't refer to Daniel and say, oh, you see, Daniel stood against the political climate of the time. And when they told him not to pray, he boldly went to the window and opened the window. And and he he defied the particular governments of that day. That's not true. You know why it's not true? Because Daniel prayed this way all the time for 70 years. He didn't just decide to get political. He just didn't decide, I'm going to go, oh, yeah, I'm going to go fight against the government. That's not how it happened. He was doing what he always did. You understand? That's important. He was just doing what he always did. He got on his knees and he prayed and and, and he opened the window and prayed, not because he was forbidden not to, but because he always did it. And his enemies could see him morning, noon, and night. He wasn't trying to flex his spiritual muscles or trying to take a stand. That's important to get that in balance. And so Daniel, in the lion's den, I want to get to it so bad, but I can't. Read ahead. This is good. All right, look at verse 11. Really, really quick. I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I'm not going to even expound on it. I'm just going to read it to you and then I'll come back next week and expound. How's that? In verse 11, if you're there, say amen. amen. Then these men assembled and he found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Notice this here. And they went before the king. They spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any god or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into den of lions? Well, the king answered and he said, this thing is true according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. So they answered and they said before the king, that Daniel. You see that? And they hate Daniel. And they say it like that Jew, that Daniel who is one of the captives from Judah, does not show due regard for you, O king, for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself, and he set his heart on Daniel to deliver him, and he labored till the going down of the sun 
to deliver him. You know what that means? It means the king was looking for a legal loophole because he didn't want to cast Daniel in the lion's den. Then these men approached the king and they said to the king, King, O king, know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and the Persians that no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed. And so the king gave the command and they brought Daniel, cast him into the den of a lion's. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, your God whom you serve continually, he'll deliver you. That's a hopeful thought. Not, not, not mocking, but a hopeful thought. And then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signet of his lords that the purpose concerning Daniel might be changed. Homework, go and find the parallels in verse 16 and 17 with our Lord and Daniel. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.